welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Today, we're going to talk about cannabis and meetings, and I have with me Barbara Peterson, who's a well-known travel writer. Barbara wrote the recent cover story on cannabis and the meetings industry for meetings and conventions. So welcome, Barbara, and thank you for being here. I think on first glance, people might say, what does cannabis have to do with meetings? You know, and why did we seek out you as a travel industry expert to take on this story? What did you discover? Well, I think why meeting planners should care about this topic, care about cannabis and the fact that it's increasingly becoming legalized around the country is because their attendees are interested in it. So if if their attendees are talking about something, interested in it, maybe they're going to a state that has legalized recreational use of marijuana from a state maybe that doesn't have that. I think meeting planners just need to be aware that their attendees may be thinking about it, may be asking about it. They may wonder if there's some way they can legally consume this product while they're there at the convention and where and how. I think it comes as part of the whole experience. You know, when most people go to meetings, they're going also to a destination. And a lot of people do pre and post tours and stays, Mm -hmm. and they explore the local scene. I mean, if there are beer tours and wine tours, you know, I think the thinking is why not incorporate cannabis into this mix? But I will say one caveat right out off the bat before we get into this too too much, because I think it's really important. It still is a very murky area legally. So in that sense, you can't compare it to wine and beer and other forms of alcohol, really, because prohibition ended, you know, many, many years, many decades ago. But um, we have the, the fact that cannabis is still prohibited in most of the country. Right. You pointed out that it is a draw for so many people, whether they're tourists or meeting attendees, deciding to attend a meeting because it is in, say, Denver. And I know that Denver saw visitation skyrocket after they legalized marijuana. Precisely, yes. Well, Denver and Colorado as a state have had an interesting experience because, yes, they were really the first state. They passed it in 2012. They passed, and it was a referendum. So it was a voter-driven referendum. Uh, And that's an important detail because it didn't really have the full backing of the government at that point, the state's government. The governor, in fact, was opposed to it. So they kind of, once they got it through the legislature, it took a while to set up the legal apparatus for it to be sold. You know, you have to have licensed dispensaries. There's a whole process that goes. I think people don't really understand how complicated it is. That didn't stop, though, the tourism business from waking up saying, hey, we're going to get a lot of attention. And they did. They got a lot of visitors coming, but they didn't necessarily know what to do. There was a disconnect there. And other states have taken notice because they see, yes, it does do good things for your economy. You can tax it, which brings in state revenues for all sorts of things. And I think we're about to see in Illinois, 
that they're really jumping on the bandwagon with this. So in Illinois, it's taking effect this month. And Illinois is the 11th state that's okay. um, approved this for recreational use. Plus Washington, D.C. Exactly. So it's 11 yeah. plus D.C. Yeah. And so when people hear that cannabis is legal recreationally, some might feel that they can be, you know, walking along the street smoking or, you know, that it's like cigarettes. What's the reality? You can't just smoke in, in marijuana anywhere you want, even, even if it is legal in the jurisdiction that you're in. Basically, most of these legalization measures have not included what they call public consumption. Either do it in the privacy of your room or go to a special place like a social club, I mean, lounges or something. And uh, The states like California and Colorado and Nevada that have been the forerunners in this, they are just now starting to move towards that, having places that where you can gather, social, mm -hmm. that's what they call mm -hmm. them, social. Cannabis yeah. cafe. Yeah, and, and in that sense, for, for people who've been to Amsterdam, they know that there are these uh, places you can go. They just call them coffee shops or something, mm -hmm. coffee houses. And it's funny because coffee isn't really the main attraction. Right. <laughs> but most hotels will say, no, you cannot smoke or consume. Again, it's not analogous to having a beer or something. And, and, right. and you really have to be aware of that there are certain restrictions on it. And consumption is very much hit or miss. The other trend that we're seeing is in cannabis-infused food. So there are, can there are chefs now that do these private events in LA and San Francisco has a lot of those going on. There's just, you know, you, you can, you can hire a local caterer and they do a whole meal where, you know, they have infused uh, dishes and that's the terminology for it. And it's a, again, this was like a whole new world for me to explore mm -hmm. in this article. It really got me engage with a lot of people and sources and groups that I normally wouldn't engage with when I write about travel and tourism. It was fascinating. It's it's a whole different culture and and it's one that I think maybe the mainstream travel industry hasn't really engaged with, but they're starting to and they realize they have to. Right. And I think in destinations where cannabis is legal, hotels, caterers, venues are faced with interest, maybe from meeting planners, certainly from attendees, on delving into the edibles. What is recommended mm -hmm. in terms of how either the venue or the meeting planner handles that? With the edibles, there's a whole other set of issues. One of them is the dosage. What, how much are you getting and how long does it take to feel any effects from it. And that has been the subject of quite a bit of controversy. In fact, as a well-known columnist for the New York Times wrote about eating a, like an edible a candy bar, right, that she didn't realize that it takes a long time for it to hit you. In other words, several hours. So instead, she ate the entire candy bar wow. when she should have eaten one tiny little corner of it. And I, I shouldn't laugh because it was actually pretty horrible. I mean, she, she, had, she had a very bad reaction. And there are cases where people have inadvertently eaten edibles. They, they weren't properly labeled. Even at a meeting, I'm, I'm, I'm Yes. Aware and, and in fact, as, as we write in our story, um, that yes, there was a, there's sort of an infamous case where um, there was a, actually not even that small, a couple hundred people in, in Manhattan. They um, started eating this food that was at a buffet that hadn't been really 
really prominently marked as being infused. And people started to have all sorts of bad reactions. They got dizzy, you know, the heart palpitations. And they didn't know why. And yeah. yeah, some people had to go to the doctor or the emergency room even. And one note of caution for all meeting planners that would be to really know who you're dealing with right. and really be careful about just someone who presents themselves as being experienced in this. Right. And, and it still is a little bit of a gray area. And, you know, it'll take some time for people to get used to that. Like, I don't think most people know that you really have to read the label if you get an edible, you know, mm. lollipop or something like that. What type of guidance should a meeting planner be giving attendees? If the meeting takes place in an area where cannabis is legal for recreational use, but it is not going to be part of the meeting. However, in some cases across the street is a marijuana dispensary across the street from the convention center. And that ha that actually happens in a number of locations. Well, this is one area where I think the, uh, the local destination market marketing organization can really help. And in fact, they are. They're, they're, a lot of them are coming out up front. They, they aren't waiting to be asked. They all have a lot of really good information on their websites. I thought the one in, in Portland, Oregon was excellent. Spelled out everything in very clear language that said, we'll work with you if you want to, say, do bud tasting tour. They can arrange things like that off premises. Mm -hmm. But most convention centers and most you know meeting spaces like that probably are going to be governed by stricter rules. Most convention centers actually, since they're quasi-government, they don't permit it at all. Which gets into the fact that it's still prohibited federally. And in fact, that is a real complication, and it's something that anybody dealing with people who are traveling has to be aware of. The federal government still classifies marijuana as a it's an illegal substance. It's in the same grouping as heroin and cocaine. Uh, that means, of course, if you fly, you are subject to all the federal regulations. It doesn't matter what state you're flying. And even if you're flying between two states that have each legalized marijuana, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It's not legal in the air. It's, precise. it's not legal at the airport. Yeah. It's not legal at TSA. Right. Exactly. Okay. Don't try to bring back a souvenir. The local organizations, the Convention and Visitors Bureaus and the, and the DMOs, are really working hard to get the message. So, if, so for a meeting organizer, they should get that information from them, work with them. Take the temperature also of the attendees. I mean, some groups, they would not be at all interested. And in fact, being that it is still very controversial and that some people have strong feelings in opposition to this legalization movement. You know, you really don't want to alienate any part of your attendees. Mm -hmm. It's a delicate balance there. Make sure people can be informed. Mm -hmm. There is one group, I think it's Outdoor Adventure Travel and Camping Accord. They had a conference in Colorado. And apparently that was one of the reasons why they chose Colorado, mm -hmm. because they knew their attendees would just see that as part of the attraction. Right. So are you mm -hmm. seeing more meeting planners or would experts advise, you know, legal advice for meeting planners to at least spell out those basics somewhere? So far, I haven't really seen that kind of communication yet, which mm -hmm. is interesting because you would, as for the reasons you just mentioned, it would mm -hmm. seem very logical. I still think that we're getting we're bumping up against that resistance of anything that's too much of a hot topic and potentially divisive. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't and, want to get into it. And the hotel industry is the same way. I, I 
called and tried to get statements from all sorts of hotel organizations and you know and usually they'd refer me to well no maybe talk to this tour operator because they do do these bud tours but they did not want to have their name associated with this mm-hmm. it's still a little bit toxic frankly right. for the travel industry and i think they also feel that our attendees are adults they're grown-ups. They can make, make their own decisions, and this is a personal decision, and it's not something that we ought to be getting in the middle right. of. Right. You know? I mean, you can in yeah. that way, you can compare it to alcohol. You're not going to put out a statement advising them not to, <laughs> not to drink too much, or you know. Um, though that is, yeah. a, since you mentioned that, though that is that is an issue, and that can be a problem there. And, and I think um, meeting planners, obviously, they they have contingency plans for what do you do if you know you have a serious somebody there getting drunk or maybe more than one person and how do you handle that when people are really incapacitated by it and it does happen I mean it can happen in any public forum restaurants have to deal with that all the time do when do you finally stop serving someone or do you have to call the police and one of the people I interviewed for the story our our lawyer who writes Mm -hmm. for us and Jonathan Howe um, he said that whatever policies you have on how to deal with a delegate who's you know had too much can also apply to someone who's shows up stoned and is maybe kind of, you know, incapacitated. I mean, it's the same policies that you would have in in both instances. And meanwhile, at the same time, the the cannabis business is exploding and there are conferences Mm -hmm. and events for the cannabis business. You know, what's different about those events and what should a venue expect? I think those groups are the ones who are the, the, the least likely to be, you know, toking, you know, while they're there talking and what, because um, their, their policy, just like when a few months ago, we ran the article about guns at meetings. Mm-hmm. Gun shows have the same thing. They, you know, you can't carry your own gun into a show. Right. So they're, they're, and they're, they spell it out yes. because they know it's top of mind for that group. Yes. So I would say in these instances, cannabis industry conferences and, and trade shows, they are just as open about that as well. They say, you know, on our premises at the trade show, we're there to, to do business. We're not there to consume. Well, they do tend to meet in places that have legalized marijuana, in part because it's a, just a friendlier environment. Right. They, I think, are even more upfront about it given what mm-hmm. they do, than some of other groups who might not be in the business and are just happen to be meeting in a place that, that right. it's legal. Right. And that's one interesting aspect of this, too, that it shows that it really is coming out of the shadows. Because it's hard to imagine, even 10 years ago, a conference of a, of a trade association whose business is cannabis. It was an outlaw kind of business. That's one sign of how it's becoming more accepted and moving into the mainstream. Right. Can you talk about CBD and what that is versus cannabis versus THC? Well, CBD has just become such a rage right now. You can, you know, you can go into a department store, even in some places, a, a Walgreens or a CVS, and you will see products with CBD, which it's short for cannabidiol. And that is part of the overall, basically comes from marijuana plants or hemp. Okay, now CBD has become a trend because, in part because it does not have the intoxicating effects of marijuana. It lacks that one ingredient called THC, which is what makes marijuana, well, what gives marijuana its... it's what gives it's, you the high. Yeah, it's precise. Right. What happened is that a lot of companies seized on CBD because they thought, well, you know what, it's going to be 
easier to sell, and it's also for people who just want some of it, some of the effects that at least it purportedly gives you. Sort of, you know, it's it's been. Uh, touted as uh, something a stress reliever. It's apparently supposed to cure all sorts of things or at least help alleviate the symptoms of things like migraine headaches and insomnia. And But it is still not regulated because the FDA is a federal agency, the Food and Drug Administration, mm-hmm. just won't touch it. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of problems with some of these companies that want to put it in everything, you know, from sodas to teas wow. and, and cookies and things. That is flatly prohibited, actually, by the, the government. It, it's not supposed to be used as an additive to anything that's that can be consumed um, as a food or a beverage. And so recently, in fact, right after we went to press, the FDA came out and got even tougher on this issue and said it was going to crack down on some of these companies that are selling CBD products. It's really unclear now where this is going to head. I think for the time being, most of the products that you'll find, most of them that are out there in the marketplace now will probably still continue to be sold. And so, for example, at a lot of these conferences or meetings, it's become a cool giveaway, like in a little goodie bag or something, or maybe, you know, at a trade show, they'll have samples. Earlier in the year, in 2019, in spring 2019, we surveyed meeting planners about cannabis, and we, we asked how informed they were about destinations where cannabis is legal. And 24% said that they were very informed. So the, the greatest majority, 53%, said somewhat, and the rest said not very, not at all. And in terms of how it affects their likelihood of choosing a particular destination, how the legality of cannabis, um, 7% said they're more likely to choose a destination where it's legal. But at the same time, 16% said they are less likely. So for a, a number of events, it's actually a detriment to the destination. Um, can you comment on that? Yes, I think that's that's very interesting, and it really does dovetail with what, what I was picking up from the industry, too. It's It still is an issue that can divide people. A lot of people who are in the industry, and especially on the organizing side or maybe in the hotel industry, you know, they come from a different generation where mm-hmm. it really was totally taboo mm-hmm. to even talk about it. I would say... That is not surprising at all. That, that totally conforms with what I was hearing. However, I would say let's be interested to do the same survey in 2020 and beyond. Let's, let's think that each year you're going to see those numbers shift. For example, Illinois, very populous state, is going to be the 11th state to legalize it starting this month. And with that state on board and D.C., that means that a third of the country lives in a state where recreation population wise. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. However, of course, that means two thirds of the country still live in states where it is completely illegal. As it changes, you'll see those numbers change too in terms of the meeting industry. Mm-hmm. You know, getting and the on. hospitality industry. Yeah. What do you see happening in 2020 in terms of hospitality and restaurants really embracing? Yes, well, well, I think that's the other turning point that we're going to see, and that is going to happen this year. It's going to move more and more to public settings, and that's because there are some local laws now that are just taking effect 
in certain jurisdictions in California and Colorado. And now we have to be really clear here, just because a state has legalized it, doesn't mean every jurisdiction or locality has. I mean, in, in that sense, it is like the blue laws, you know, about drinking. You, mm-hmm. you can be in a state where it's legal, but there can be towns that really restrict drinking even now, how many years after prohibition. So that's kind of what we're seeing play out with cannabis. In Colorado, for example, this would not be true in a lot of the smaller towns or even smaller cities in the state. But in Denver, there are going to be what they call these cannabis lounges. And those will be social spaces. Most of them will be attached to a dispensary. But where you can just go in and, you know, and you can go purchase your whatever it is that, you, you know, your uh, marijuana or your supply that's it's and that's also very tightly regulated it's only mm-hmm. like a few ounces it's not mm-hmm. something you can't just stock up on it it's, right. it's but at least this will be a first for the, for the where in, you can yeah. sit and yes. smoke like in a cigar bar uh, precise and then also in California um, again it's the city of Los Angeles is not going to permit this but West Hollywood is a separate entity governmentally so they are going ahead with their own framework for having restaurants and lounges where they will permit consumption mm-hmm. and in fact there's a hotel in uh, Hollywood that is claiming it's going to be the first hotel in the country to have its own to spend dispensary in this in the hotel, in the hotel. yeah and right off the lobby you know just wow. like with a you know a place where you go buy souvenirs well then there would be a dispensary <laughs> right next to it <laughs> changes don't happen overnight and mm-hmm. i think in this case it's just going to become gradual and people will see it you know as part of an experience going to a place like california it doesn't mean every state in the country will ever become like that but it just means that well great You know, anyone who started listening and didn't understand what cannabis has to do with meeting certainly does now. So I appreciate you sharing, you know, all the great information you uncovered in doing the story. And I agree that we should revisit it again in, you know, 2020 and um, see what's happening that affects meeting. So I appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.